when you start strengthening your strengths, the world's at your fingertips. And I think that mm -hmm. is the absolute number one key to being as successful as you possibly can is to mm -hmm. find the thing that matches you the best. Mm -hmm. You're listening to Investing for Good, a show that brings you the stories and strategies of people who are investing to build a legacy for their families, create a meaningful and intentional life by design, and impact the world around them. And now, here are your hosts, Annie Dickerson and Julie Lamb. Hey, everyone. Annie Dickerson here with Julie Lamb. Julie, how are you today? I'm doing great. How about you? I'm really good. You know, it's summer and kids are at home. How are your kids enjoying uh, camp? They're outside every yeah. day. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness, yep. I'm so jealous. They were, yeah, they were outside every day up in Marin. Um, they're home now, so they uh, camp is finally over. Uh, it was just a couple, three-week uh, little thing. But, um, but yeah, no, it was so good to get them outside because, you know, they've been, they've been locked up since March. And so they went from March to June, middle of June, pretty much inside. I mean, we would go for neighborhood walks and whatnot. But to be able to see other people, it's a weird thing. You know, I took the kids to the doctor the other day. I was like so enjoying my conversation with the pediatrician. I'm like, why is this such an enjoyable conversation? I'm like, well, maybe it's because she's like the fourth person that you've seen outside of like, you know, or whatever, sixth person that you've seen outside of, you know, family, yeah. mm -hmm. uh, kids and whatnot that, um, you know, it's a new person. We had small talk with like people here and there when we went up to Napa, but to have like more than a five minute conversation with somebody was like, like mind-blowing you know? <laughs> know right right you forget you don't realize how much of an impact it has even like passing neighbors and like but it it yes. totally it, it impacts us and it impacts our kids you know and yeah. so it's so good and you guys make camping as well mm -hmm. so we went camping yeah we've done a lot uh, over after the kids finished school in the middle of june we've we were like okay they're done let's get out we went up to napa we've gone camping um and then of course next week we leave for sacramento so it's just it's been so good to get out and I'm just loving it. So, mm. uh, well, I mean, a living life is what, what this is all about, right? That's why we invest right. in real estate and why we help others build wealth so that they can go out and live their life by design, which is what we talk about on today's episode with Ali Boone, founder mm -hmm. of Hipster Investments. Um, and Hipster Investments actually specializes in helping people to get into turnkey investments, mm -hmm. um, um, so for those of you who may not have heard of turnkey before, Allie defines it in the episode, but basically it's exactly what it sounds like. Instead of buying a fixer upper property, when you buy a turnkey, it's essentially like you turn the key and you get cash flow. <laughs> like there's nothing mm -hmm. you really need to do. <laughs> All of the improvements have already been done, mm -hmm. but it's really interesting. She talks about some distinctions and some nuances with, um, mm -hmm. with turnkeys that I didn't know before. She went in to talk about the two types, that there's the direct providers, and then you have the turnkey, what she calls promoters, which I had never heard of that. And I own a couple of turnkeys, and I had never heard of the difference between the two. Um, and we got to dig in to, she said she had preferred turnkey promoters, and, I, and then I asked her why. And so she went in and talked about why. It's such a valuable um, episode because she, this is her specialty, and turnkey investment property 
properties are probably the easiest way for people who are looking to get into real estate but don't have the time but are curious about how it works and you know maybe you want to buy your first rental property it's the best safest safest way to go about it is to do it this way and to buy a turnkey property get get an idea of like getting that cash flow coming in and whatnot so and I don't think we've ever had anyone on the show yet who, who's talked about um, you know turnkeys and educated the audience about this and she's definitely one of the experts I remember seeing on her on bigger pockets years ago um, which it's so cool to, to have her now on our show um, but I've been following her for a while but she's definitely one of the experts in the field so it was great. And I love how, in addition, she says, you know, turnkey is a great way to get into real estate, but also, you know, I think there's a lot of people are very, you know, skeptical about mm -hmm. turnkeys. And so she talks mm -hmm. about how you can do your own due diligence and run your own numbers and vet these deals. I love how she talks about the fun part of it too, the shopping for the different properties. Mm -hmm. oh, it's just mm -hmm. such a great, uh, such a great episode. So uh, I'm going to stop blabbering so we can get into it <laughs> without further ado. Do here is our conversation with Allie Boone. Hey, Allie, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm so good. I'm so excited to talk to you guys. This has been a long time coming. Yeah, I know. We've been really looking forward to this one. Now, one thing that really stands out to me about the brand you've built, Hipster Investments, mm -hmm. is how different the look and feel and the messaging is from a lot of other real estate investing brands out there. And in particular, I love the humor that you sprinkle <laughs> in throughout the mm -hmm. site and everything from your bio to mm -hmm. the footer and everything in between. So tell us a little bit about your journey to building this fantastic brand and how you got into real estate investing in the first place. Totally. So it's so good to hear that because that actually, when I started the company, was my sole intention. I was like, I want something that looks different. It stands out. And I really wanted to be like a friendlier, more warming face in this otherwise fairly stuffy and intimidating industry. So to get that feedback from you guys, like, Oh boy, <laughs> like it worked. <laughs> um, and yeah, you know, part of my intention too is like, I always want to be real. You know, like I work primarily with turnkey rental properties and I'll be the first person to tell you if I don't think a turnkey is for you. Like I want that kind of relationship with people where I tell it like it is and it, you know, so I want people to, oh, I'm so excited. I'm like, oh, I accomplished it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so my story is I grew up very in that very standard belief set where you go to school, you get good grades, you go to college, you get a secure job, and then you go into the workforce. And I did that. And I got a master's degree in aerospace engineering. And I was like, well, that seems really secure. And I walked in, I tell the story all the time. The minute I walked into my cubicle, the very first time I got hired with, you know, real big girl job. And I was like, oh, it's happening. And I'll never forget, I turned the corner into the cubicle and I looked around at this like gray drab motif. It was, I was even underground in like underground tunnels. And I was like, uh-oh, <laughs> I knew right then I was like, not going to work. And, you know, I had just gone through all the schooling, all this stuff. And so from that point on, I really had it in my head of like, I have to get out of corporate. But I, I had a lot of skills at the time, but like I was a pilot. I used to be a flight instructor through grad school. And then, but like all of the skills that I had weren't really that like 
practical kind of thing. Like they're really good for this kind of path, but they weren't that practical. So I had no idea how I was going to get out. Fast forward about five years. I spent that entire five years trying to figure out how I was going to get out. And I, I kind of had it. I was reading every book under the sun. I've got huge bookshelves. It's like my, I call it my MBA because I'd never went to school for an MBA, but I got one with all the books I read. Mm -hmm. And it was like, what can I do? And I figured I either needed to start a business or get involved in real estate investing somehow. Cause those seem to be the two kind of core things that get people out of a corporate job. And so I had decided to go the business route. I didn't even know what I was going to start, but then I had, I had put in for like every newsletter from every company on the planet. Cause I hated my engineering job. So I was like, feed my inbox, feed my inbox. Like, <laughs> and, and randomly a real estate investing opportunity landed in my inbox short story that I ended up pursuing it through that I was really doing it as a side thing. I was like, well, while I have a good corporate paycheck, I will do something smart with that money. Cause I may not have this money for long. And through that, it was really cool getting involved with real estate investors. Cause it was kind of like suddenly I found like-minded people and this particular uh, investment opportunity was fairly adventurous. So it was like adventurous people plus risk takers. And like, I was like, Oh, it's so exciting. And through all of that networking, I landed on turnkey rental properties. I started buying them for myself. Then everyone under the sun was asking me what in the world I was buying. Cause they had never heard of this. And they're like, how do you invest without swinging a hammer? And so I was telling them, and then I ended up getting a real estate license and it became a full-time thing where I ended up being a writer online and teaching about rental properties and mindset and investor psychology and of course turnkey rental properties and let's see we're at I think next month is going to be the eight-year anniversary of hipster which wow. you know yay <laughs> it's, it's been a journey entrepreneurship is a whole different episode <laughs> that's a whole different one but yeah it's been really cool but I, like I said I'm so appreciative of what you said because that is really the position I wanted in this industry of just a friendlier face because it's kind of a scary industry sometimes so that's super exciting to hear that Mm -hmm. Well, wait a second. I want to rewind because there's mm -hmm. so much to unpack there. Um, so, go, so you got your master's in aerospace mm -hmm. engineering, and that must have been a feat in and of itself. That's not that's not a that walk was, in the park. That <laughs> was very humbling because I actually my bachelor's wasn't actually in engineering, and I went to Georgia Tech for grad school. So it was like the, they bounced between MIT for like number one. So here I am showing up at this program having no background. <laughs> I was like, sure, I can be a rocket scientist. Like, it was so hard that, uh, a, a funny story, one class, one of the first classes I took, it took me halfway through the semester to even be able to pronounce that it was turbine engine aerothermodynamics. And somebody in the class that I met had an old copy of, like, an old test. And apparently this professor, like, use the same thing all the time. So I memorized this. I mean, copying like crazy. That guy <laughs> that I copied from made a A on his test. I made a C and it was the same test. I was like, this school's so hard. I can't even copyright. <laughs> I was like, oh, and I actually ended up failing out before I graduated. But when I failed out, I guess my GPA just kept getting lower and lower, but I only had two classes in research left. So I just, I literally sat there knocking on the door, like begging. I was like, I'm going to stay here until you let me back in. Like, it'll be easier to get rid of me if you just let me finish. And so they did. And I ended up getting a tutor, which I should have done way sooner, but it was honestly very humbling. And for someone who had always kind of made, you know, really good grades and it was humbling is a very good word. But you know, I, the reason I say all of that is to say that it kind of set me up for real estate investing too, because as you guys know, it's not a sure thing ever. And there's, I don't want, I don't even want to call it failure, but there's a lot of ways to goober it up. So mm -hmm. I, I kind of attribute that experience to 
real estate investing because it's like just you know when something happens just knock on the door and annoy people until they let you back in <laughs> and, then, totally. and at some point you'll get the degree it works out yeah <laughs> there you go you'll get that deal or that degree or uh -huh. whatever it is and so then okay so you get your degree and then you realized with the gray drab walls you realize this isn't actually the the right fit for you but then what you said was you stayed there for five years as you were trying to figure this out so what was that must have been challenging knowing that it wasn't the path for you but then spending were you spending like nights and weekends reading books going to seminars and yep. trying to figure out what the next path was that's exactly what happened and honestly I was reading some of those books at work <laughs> like, um, I, I utilized my time there very well I hope no one from my past job is listening it was an exploration so it was actually kind of fun because when I had no idea of where to go it's like I was just taking in information everywhere I did some of those weekend seminars like rich dad seminars I was grabbing books I was reading about business I was reading about real estate like just trying to kind of feel out all of the options and one mis not mistake but one thing i would do differently is i kind of did that phase for a little too long because i got to the point eventually where i wasn't gaining traction on anything because i was still looking into too many things that's when i was like oh i'm gonna have to at some point pick something and so then i kind of started narrowing it down narrowing it down and then i learned more about that thing i would find authors that i really resonated with like Robert Kiyosaki, it was totally my guy. Passive income, money you don't have to work for. Uh, I was like, yes, please. And so I kept <laughs> reading more of his books, like really trying to find the people who were kind of speaking my language and speaking mm -hmm. about the things that I jived with. And mm -hmm. then I just kind of kept like a funnel, just kind of kept narrowing it down, narrowing it down. And then that's kind of when everything started kind of panning out. But it took five years for that to happen, you know? So mm -hmm. it was, it was not an overnight thing. I feel like a lot of people kind of have either a skill set or something they can move faster than that, but I was really starting from ground zero. And so, yeah, I mean, honestly, I'm kind of grateful that it only took five years because it could have taken longer than that, I think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of our listeners are probably in that position where they're trying to figure out their next play. And yeah. similarly, you know, we had talked with Monique Holm on a previous episode and she, she knew that she wasn't meant to be an attorney, but then it took yeah. her four or five years after that to figure out her next play. So similar, yeah. you know, I think a lot of people get impatient and they're like, oh, I need to figure out the next oh, thing, yeah. jump into it. But to really take your time, not too much time, but take enough time to yeah. Yeah. really understand what that next move is is very yeah. important well they have well, some solid it's... footing because i always say like mm -hmm. i had 173 business ideas before hipster none of them worked and mm -hmm. it's like you know a lot of people talk about when should you jump out of corporate well at least have some kind of footing like when i left i, I didn't have as big a nest egg as i should have i didn't really know the game plan as much as a former engineer would have liked to have known it you know but there was enough reason to believe that this was going to be a thing and the key was i had already made some money doing this because i kind of picked it up as a side hustle not even thinking that this could be a full-time thing and so it was a proven concept and i was like oh well, I wonder if I can take this proven concept and make it bigger. And that's kind of that proven concept idea is really like so many people get nervous and then you're just going to freak yourself out when you're freaking out. You're not going to be that creative or productive anyways. And so, you know, trying to, I mean, usually in that position, we all want to get out of that job, but like sticking around, what I did was I stuck around as long as I possibly could to try and prove out that concept and get as much traction as I could. And then I had to make the decision, you know, stay or go. But yeah, it's, it's a timing thing for sure. 
Mm-hmm. I think when you take the time to really think about, you know, what it is that you want to do within a certain, you know, area like real estate investing, when you take mm-hmm. that time to think about it, it really serves you well down the road. And like Annie oh, said, yeah. people want to rush into stuff and it just... It, it, it's a recipe for disaster to, to rush time. into stuff and not think carefully about what your skill sets are, what your interests are, and yeah. really look at look at you now. You know, you, you took that time, even though it was five years, you took that time to really ask yourself all the important questions and to think mm-hmm. about what matters to you and what your skill sets are and your interests. Yeah. You want to find your people and all of that. And now, now here you are, eight years later, with um, you know a thriving business. And I think yeah. that's such an important thing that people need to understand is that. You don't just go out there and see something and say, I'm going to do this and like, you know, tomorrow go out and do it. You know, you have to really spend some time and, and ask yourself the questions and make sure you don't have to replace all your income or anything like that. But I think an important thing, like you said, is to, is to prove the model. And once you prove the model once, you know that it's just a matter of rinse and repeat until you, until you can scale. Um, Well, and I think that exactly what you're saying is why there is such a big Again, I hate saying the word failure, but such a big failure rate in real estate investing because if you're a newbie and you Google, I want to be a real estate investor, what do you hear? You should wholesale, you should flip, you should da 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 da. And it's like, um, cool. All of those Mm -hmm. strategies are absolutely legit, but first of all, a lot of people don't realize how much work they take and they're hard. Mm -hmm. And, but then like what you're saying is really taking the time to figure out what works for you because Mm -hmm. I feel, you know, people are like, I'm going to flip property. And I was one of those. I was like, I'm going to (laughs) flip properties. And fortunately that didn't work out for me sooner Mm -hmm. than it did. And Mm -hmm. you know, if it's of any encouragement for people to really take that time, I didn't know I was going to end up with turnkey rental properties. I didn't even know what they were. I, I didn't know I was going to be involved in rental properties. Honestly, if I could pick my strategy, I'd probably be a flipper because it seems like you make a lot more money faster. But I was like, rental mm-hmm. properties, that seems kind of anticlimactic. But it what happened in that five years is I was trying. I was working. I was trying to find something. I was, I was, I was pursuing things. But at the end of the day, turnkey rental properties showed up in my lap. You know, it's, I, I hesitate to say it that way because it's like, oh, something landed in my lap. Wow, thanks. That's helpful. But it's kind of true, though, is that when you really, really persevere and you really try for stuff mm-hmm. and you're open, mm-hmm. the answer can come to you. And quite totally. frankly, to me, that's a lot easier than trying to force something to work. And so mm-hmm. when turnkey rental properties showed up in my lap, I was like, uh, I mean, okay, seems kind of boring, but cool. <laughs> and, but that's what, you know, that's where my strength is. And that's, yeah. it, it's, it, created everything and so you know again taking that time it could be where something lands in your lap if you let it you know mm-hmm. versus like mm-hmm. i'm gonna flip i'm gonna wholesale i'm gonna don't even get me started on wholesaling but yeah. you know like all of those things and so i really it's it's hard in real estate investing to not like dive in and be like i want to do it now but if yeah. you can really do just what you're saying and just slow down for a second and really mm-hmm. analyze learn about the strategies and really tailor mm-hmm. it to what's going to work for you because when it's not it's not such an easy thing that if it's not working for you you're just going to gracefully slide through it. You're not. So I think that's such a key message for everybody. Yeah. So tell, I want to talk now, I want to transition a little bit and talk about turnkeys. What is it? How did, why did it fall into your lap and why did you feel like it was the right fit for you? Who is turnkey good for? And then I got a ton of other questions, but let's start there. Um, I like turnkeys because they're as little work as possible, which kind of goes back to, you know, I wanted passive income. I'm not, I didn't Mm -hmm. get into real estate investing to get another job. And that's what mm-hmm. a lot of strategies really are. I know you guys work with syndications and all that. Like I love the passive side because if mm-hmm. I wanted a job, I'd, 
go get a job. And so turnkey rental properties are, so technically the term turnkey refers to the condition of a property. So if you buy the house next door to you and it's already rehabbed, some people have different definitions, but let's say it's already rehabbed, there's tenants in there renting and you buy it, you've bought a turnkey rental property. So the idea is, the metaphor is that you stick the key in the door, turn it, and you're making cash flow on day one. The turnkeys that I work with are specifically from turnkey provider companies. So these companies in particular markets go out, they find a whole bunch of distressed inventory from whatever means, they rehab the properties, they put tenants in the properties, and they have property managers set up to manage the property for you. So you as an investor, you just have to buy the property. Somebody else is doing all the tough stuff. And mm-hmm. it's especially having, you know, if you live in like Indianapolis where there's plenty of cash flow, you can probably kind of do your own properties, but mm-hmm. I'm in California and there's no mm-hmm. cash flow out here anywhere. I don't care what people say, but like a lot of people from California, they want to buy a hundred thousand dollar property in Indianapolis, but how are you going to manage that and rehab properties and all that from across the United States? So <laughs> this is a great opportunity for those people because they, they're not hands off. I think that's a huge marketing problem, which is funny because mm-hmm. my turnkeys ebook calls them hands off properties, but um it's, it's a way to like be at the bare minimum of the work that you need to do to ensure the investment's going to work. And that way you can just be hands off. So like I own multiple turnkey rental properties and I put, I mean, on a normal year, if nothing's going on, I don't even spend an hour on my properties at all. Like, because the property managers are doing everything for me this year, I'm actually firing a property management company and hiring a new one. But even then I'm doing it all over the phone and Mm -hmm not doing a whole heck of a lot of work. So Mm -hmm. um, that's kind of what turnkey rental properties are and who they're really good for, in my opinion. Three things. Number one, out-of-state investors. So, you know, if you're like me in Venice Beach and the cheapest property next to you is a million dollars and you're not going to cash flow on it, if you want to buy the $100,000 property elsewhere that puts cash flow in your pocket every month, golden. And so turnkeys are great for that long distance thing. I think turnkeys are fantastic for new investors. Even if you don't Mm -hmm. plan to stay with turnkeys, if you plan Mm -hmm. to do all the work yourself, what I really like about them is they give you an opportunity to learn the basics, how to run numbers, how to do due diligence, how to pick a property, how to pick a market. And that foundation alone, so many people just skip right over it. So if Mm -hmm. you're going to, if you go buy some dumper property, that's like a shack and now you have to rehab it and do it like, you're taking on a huge load of advanced skills and mm-hmm. all the while you're so busy with those, probably not doing them very well unless it's just kind of in your natural grain, but you're missing all of the fundamentals. So I think they're fantastic for new people, even if they want to branch into more advanced strategies, because they give you that chance to teach you that stuff while somebody else does the hard stuff. And honestly, running numbers and due diligence, I think are the two most key things period in real estate investing that so many people never learn. People are like, should I go for this property? And I'm like, what are the numbers? And they're like, what? (laughs) Okay, cool. Right on. And then the third one is I've actually met a lot of people to buy turnkeys who are doing the more advanced strategies. Let's say they're flippers or burr investors or whatever, because those are active strategies, there's only so many hours in a day and so much capital that can be deployed to those because you max out at some point. But a lot of those people have extra capital that they want to invest, but they, they can't turn these properties fast enough. So it's kind of like a a diversification strategy where they keep doing their regular model, stay active, do your thing. But with this extra money laying around, buy a turnkey, let someone else do the work. So that way you're maximizing your whole pot of money. So I, I think turnkeys are very handy. They honestly don't have a fantastic reputation if you look them up online, but 
that's a whole other spiel of why I think that is. But I think there's such a great opportunity and very unique opportunity because I don't think I would have gotten into real estate investing had it not been for turnkeys because I kept thinking, I was like, I mean, I guess I'm willing to swing a hammer, but I'm not good at it and I don't like it. <laughs> And like, I mean, I own the world's most expensive bookshelves, in my opinion, because I'm so gullible with contractors. Like, it's not my, it's not my thing. So I actually kept staying out of real estate until I found out about this turnkey model. And I was like, oh, hey, okay, tell me more. <laughs> so mm -hmm. that's kind of how it all happens. So many good nuggets in there. Now, one thing I want to know is when somebody is thinking about getting affiliating themselves with a turnkey company mm -hmm. and they're looking at, you know, vetting a bunch of them because there's a number of them now. I know. So many. Yeah. Like four years ago when I first got into this, um, there weren't as many as there are today. Mm -hmm. But what are the, if you were to give us like the top three things that an investor needs to, um, sort of like a checklist, you know, when they're thinking about working working with a turnkey provider, what are those top three things? Because there are so many, and I know a lot of people are thinking, you know, I, I want to do this. I want to get into this, mm -hmm. but I don't know. I've seen 20 different ones. How do I know what's good, what to look for, how yeah. to vet them and the questions to ask? So what Where are, are some the scary people? <laughs> yeah, ex no, exactly. You know, yeah. I don't want to lose thing. my money. Yeah. Uh -huh. A couple of things. Number one, at the end of the day, the absolute most important thing buying a turnkey property, as with any other real estate property, but especially turnkeys, is knowing how to do due diligence. So mm -hmm. people all the time, you know, it, if you work with a good turnkey provider, your whole experience is going to be much better and you're probably less likely to get duped. But at the end of the day, it almost doesn't matter who sells you the property if you know how to verify everything on the property. So there's very little about investment property that you can't verify ahead of time. Like if something freaking nature happens later or whatever, Whatever. You obviously couldn't predict that, but there's so much you can verify because these turnkey providers will say, hey, here's this really cool property. Here's the numbers. It'll be great. Mm -hmm. Well, you need to actually make sure that that's for real. And it's not that they necessarily have bad intentions, not all of them, but there's humans in the equation. I always say mm -hmm. if there's humans in an equation somewhere, there's room for error. These guys aren't perfect. People are like, turnkey, you seem too good to be true. I'm like, well, if they were perfect, they would be, but they're not. So, you know, property inspection, verifying all of the numbers. People, I skipped that when I started buying turnkeys. I was like, well, they told me the numbers are this. Sure, it'll mm -hmm. be fine. No. And so really focusing on that due diligence. And part of that is one reason I don't like the messaging of hands-off rental properties. Again, my ebook's a little bit older, so it calls them hands-off rental properties. But what I realized very quickly was that messaging was telling people, I don't need my brain in the equation. They're mm -hmm. all going to do it. It's all going to be fine. They'll take care of everything. They're not perfect. So you have to do due diligence on the property. Once you own the property, you need to be able, you know, I just said I'm firing a property manager now and hiring a new one. I need to take mm -hmm. that initiative. And so it kind of, you know, due diligence is the main message of that one. But really mm -hmm. it's that, well, we'll make that bullet point number two, actually. Keep your head in the game. Because again, things can go wrong. And this is really just someone offering you a mostly done property for you. Hopefully it's all the way done. In many cases, mm -hmm. no one ever has to really do anything about anything and it works. But that's the second thing is really keep your head in the game and don't assume that you can be 100% passive or brainless or whatever. Because um, part of that is they tend to attract a lot of new investors. And some people honestly just aren't cut out to be an investor. Like you need mm -hmm. to be able to put your foot down to people. You need to be able to make a decision, take an initiative. And then the third thing is I would say for people who are just kind of looking into this to really make sure you understand that there's really two kinds of turnkey companies out there. One are the direct providers. So they're the guys on the ground in the city getting the properties, they're rehabbing the properties, all they're doing all of the work and you essentially buy the 
property from those people. The other kind of company is people use the word interchangeably, but turnkey marketers or turnkey promoters. These guys are essentially middlemen. So if you go to a turnkey promoter or marketer, I haven't picked my favorite word, turnkey marketer, they actually work with several different providers in different markets. So you can work with either one. Personally, I will always work through the promoters for several reasons, but I, I hear people all the time when they're comparing companies, they don't realize that the promoter or the marketer isn't the one providing like the property management service or you're not doing your due diligence with those people. You need to connect with the direct seller. And so just kind of getting some clarity on, you know, who the players in the game are. But at the end of the day, I'll throw a fourth bullet point in there. Talk to people who are already doing it and who have bought the best reference for a turnkey because they're very hard to vet. I've been with turnkeys now for like, eight, nine years. And I still don't always know the red flags. Like I don't necessarily always know who to work with, but I'm smart enough to work with the people who are that smart. So the best testimonial is when somebody has bought through a provider and said, yep, I had a fantastic experience. Like just make it easier on yourself and look for those people. Don't, don't try and reinvent the wheel. I, people are like, oh, I'm going to learn all the demographics and the da 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 of this market. And then I'm going to vet the provider. And I'm like, you know, a million people have already done that. And it doesn't matter how much data you collect. If you don't actually know how to interpret that data, which most people don't, it's kind of useless. Like it makes you look smart, but it doesn't help. So really use the network of people around who are already kind of in the space. We'll get back to our conversation with Allie in just a minute. Have you been thinking about investing in real estate, but aren't sure you have the time or the desire to manage the investment? Perhaps you're afraid like we were that you'll make the mistake of choosing the wrong market or the wrong team and lose your entire investment. Well, that's exactly why we created the Good Egg Investor Club. We do the work of identifying solid real estate investment opportunities in the best markets around the country and then partner with you to acquire these investments and then we'll all share in the returns. We'll identify the growing markets, strong, experienced teams, and the solid deals. We do all the heavy lifting of managing the tenants and the renovations, and as a passive partner, you get to enjoy all the benefits of investing in real estate, monthly cash flow, long-term appreciation, and the ongoing tax benefits. When we first discovered passive investing through real estate syndications, we realized it fit perfectly into our busy lives. We could put our money to work for our families, work less, and get more time back in our days so that we could focus on what matters most and discover our true passion and purpose in life. We've now helped hundreds of people invest passively in real estate syndications and are seeing the positive impact it's had on their lives. We invite you to partner with us by joining the Good Egg Investor Club today so you can start putting your money to work for you and get more time back in your day because we know that when people have more time in their days, they can do the true work they were intended to do and the world will be a better place. To sign up for the Good Egg Investor Club, go to goodegginvestments.com invest and we'll take it from there. That's goodegginvestments.com invest. And now back to our chat with Allie Boone. You mentioned something about you prefer to work with turnkey promoters and you said you have a number of different reasons around that. Can you tell us those reasons? Sure. So um, first of all, 
they don't charge you anything to work with them. So I'm always mm-hmm. a big fan of like, you know, the more people I have walking behind me, the more intimidating I look. I'm like, you're not going to get me. Um, <laughs> on a very basic level, if I go to a direct turnkey provider, you know, mm-hmm. I'm a newer investor. I'm trying to think about my portfolio. I'm probably not thinking of just buying one. Like I want to kind of really, you know, make a thing out of this. If I say, hey, um, you know, I'm a new investor. I want to buy. What markets do you recommend? Well, what market do you think they're going to recommend? They're only right. in one. Some of them are in a couple of them. They're going to tell you the markets that they are in. Well, mm-hmm. okay, maybe those are good markets, but I don't know. And mm-hmm. so that their advice isn't necessarily unbiased. Again, turnkey providers can be fantastic. There's a lot of really good ones, but for the most part, not super unbiased. The other thing is one little kind of hidden secret about turnkeys. Customer service is not a huge thing with turnkey providers. They Mm -hmm. are, uh, first of all, it's real estate investing. It's not a pampering kind of industry, but Mm -hmm. also you have to realize that these guys doing this work are really good at what they do, which is technical stuff, Mm -hmm. negotiating, finding distressed properties, rehabbing. Like those are technical jobs. They're not Mm -hmm. customer service oriented jobs. There's a couple direct providers that are known for customer service, but for the most part, have fun, like mm-hmm. rock on. I like the communication levels of most of these companies. Like I could pull my hair out. The turnkey promoters, they kind of serve as like a customer service buffer. So if you have a problem or a challenge or something's amiss with the direct provider, they step in and support you. They're the team mm-hmm. behind you. They're like, Oh, mm-hmm. we'll help. And we've helped so many people over the years who either can't get the per- provider on the phone or we, we, funny story. We had a provider in Atlanta. This was back in 2011, 2012, I got one of his properties, fantastic property. He was easily to me, the best turnkey provider in Atlanta at that time for what the properties were that he offered. But he was such a jackass. We actually had to make him stop having communications with our clients because he was making them cry. (laughs) It's like, and he's a cool guy. I went out for drinks with him, like cool dude, but he's just so fast and heavy hitting. He was terrifying people. And so we, we could kind of, you know, be that buffer for him. Mm-hmm. Um, God bless him. He was fun. But, and then really, and this is the very unofficial benefit in my, like, I don't want to make a claim about this, but when I think about leveraging, I think there's so much more leverage ability with a turnkey promoter, not in the financing department, but in other ways. First of all, they've already vetted these turnkey providers. They are in this game. They do market analysis. So first of all, I'm leveraging their expertise. I don't want to become a market expert. Like, I need to know enough to know how to decipher what I'm being told, but like, I don't want to learn all that myself and I don't want to vet turnkey providers myself. Like I'm willing to do due diligence, but I don't want to have to make that initial thing. So their expertise, their knowledge, their experience, I working with them get to leverage all of that. Like I get to benefit from their levels of awesomeness for free. And then really like, and this is the unofficial kind of claim, like I say, like, if I go to direct to a direct provider and I'm going to buy one property that, I mean, they're going to care about me, but not a whole heck of a lot. They get so many buyers where if something goes astray and I, let's say I get completely screwed, you know, I'm not coming in with so much buying power that it's going to affect them any, if they lose, you know, one buyer out of this, whatever. But if I come in with a promoter because they send, they can send hundreds of people to this Mm. particular provider. So Mm. all of a sudden I'm part of a bigger buying power. So if that provider screws me over or screws my property over or whatever, it's not just me, they're going to lose. They're now threatening your pack (laughs) and Mm -hmm. like, and that Mm -hmm. promoter be like, really? 
uh, tell mm -hmm. us more. You know, first of all, they're going to step in and try and support you. And second, like they can pull all their buyers from that provider. It happens all the time. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's incentive for that provider to really perform. And, and a lot of the promoters have agreements with them where the provider will offer some kind of incentives to their to the promoters buyers so you may get you know more benefit that way anyways but a lot mm. of people say well would the property be cheaper if i buy it straight from the provider and with the exception of one promoter i won't say names one of them i know upcharges properties which i completely disagree with but mm -hmm. aside from that one marketing company the prices are exactly the same as if you bought it through the turnkey provider so to me mm -hmm. it's kind of like for no extra cost why not have a whole bunch of extra support around you? How do turnkey providers make money? They're basically house flippers. I mean, really, if you look at your typical flipping situation, you know, mm -hmm. an investor goes in, buys a distressed property, rehabs mm -hmm. it, and flips it, usually to a primary home buyer. That's what I would do because mm -hmm. you can make more money. But that's exactly what the turnkey providers are doing with the mm -hmm. only two kind of differences are, number one, they're doing it in bulk. So I call them mm -hmm. glorified flippers. And number two, they're really flipping to other investors. Flipping to a primary home buyer will usually get you more money. But in this case, because they're doing it in such bulk, this is like the Costco of of real mm -hmm. estate, you know, because when they can buy so many properties in bulk and rehab them in bulk, all the properties mm -hmm. have the same paint color, you know, they can right. buy all the supplies in bulk that brings their costs down, which is very okay. different from an individual house flipper who has to go to Home mm -hmm. Depot and buy their paint. That's how they make their money. They're flippers. And a lot of people say, well, if the properties are so good, why don't they just hold the properties themselves? Well, that's why do flippers not hold the properties themselves? It's a business model. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, you eventually run out of money. So mm -hmm. these guys have to keep the inventory going and they keep some of the properties from themselves, but they have to keep that inventory going or they're going to run out of money. So, you know, most of the ones I work with have, they've been either in business for years or they plan to be in business for years. So they've got to keep that spiraling through. And how do turnkey promoters make money? The turnkey provider will pay them a referral fee, kind of like a, gotcha. um, well, referral fee saying, hey, thanks for sending us your buyer. Here's a chunk. And, you know, one thing okay. that people think all the time is that if a turnkey marketer is in the equation, well, the provider must, you know, because they have to pay them. Like I said, it doesn't change the price. I've seen the properties listed from the direct providers and they're sold except for that one provider or promoter uh, at the exact same price. And really the other thing people think is like, oh, well, the provider's making so much money on the deal. And they really don't. Like people right. don't realize that their margins actually aren't that big, but yeah. they make up for that in bulk. So kind mm -hmm. of the same with the marketing companies where they get paid some kind of either flat fee or percentage for sending a buyer over. I imagine that referral fee just becomes like a line item expense for them. It actually, the, they, the marketing yeah. companies, it's different for me because I'm not an official marketing company, but the, you'll see the line item on the HUD actually. Oh, okay. I think in most cases. I get real dumb real fast when it comes to contracts and paperwork, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm pretty sure it's on the HUD. <laughs> Don't quote me on that. <laughs> Let's say I'm a new investor, right? I have no real estate investing experience, and I'm like, wow, this turnkey thing sounds really cool. I don't have to mm -hmm. do much work. I don't have to vet it. I don't have to swing a hammer. So then I go in, and maybe I work with a promoter. Is it just like shopping? Is it just like they hand me all these markets and all these properties and I just pick one? It's I mean, one what does parts. that process look like? <laughs> That's actually the process is, it's funny when I started in turnkeys. Um, so I bought my first turnkey in 2011. And back in those days, I mean, this was the case for a few years. I was working with the, one of the marketing companies and they would send me updated inventory on a PDF, like attachment in my email, like so old school. And I think about it now, I'm like, oh, 
And so I get my little property pack and I'm like thumbing through. I'm like, Oh, I like that one. And I was joke. Well, I, I always say I'm joking. I'm not totally joking. I love cute properties. And I was like, I mean, I'm a girl, like someone's got to like the cute properties, but you know, realistically, if I think a property is cute, other people probably do. It helps with resale, all that kind of stuff. But in 2011, 2012, the properties were so cute because prices are so cheap. Mm-hmm. They've gotten progressively uglier, but whatever. But over the years, they most people got digital. So like literally, they'll have an online inventory of, hey, here's the different markets we work in. Here's the current available properties. And it's it's one of my favorite parts of Turnkeys is because um, when I go onto those inventories, I know that all of the properties fit the bill. Like they all cash flow. They're all going to be rehabbed. Um, we won't work with turnkey providers that um, sell in like lower, really lower end areas. Like these are all B or C plus properties. Um, so it's kind of like at that point, once they, I know they've all met the criteria, I'm like, Ooh, which one do I like? <laughs> and you know, and of course doing the due diligence, running the numbers, cause some of them are going to offer higher cash on cash than others, mm-hmm. um, different markets, but you literally get to shop between the markets. It's, I guess this should be another perk of working with promoters. If you work with a provider, they're just going to give you the inventory. But the promoters, I actually left out a perk of the promoters, which I'm about to allude to, is they work in multiple markets and they have mm-hmm. the multiple properties. So aside from it's fun to first you get to shop for the market and then for properties. But one of the perks of them is because whereas the turnkey providers are on the more technical side, they're flippers. The promoters are more like they are much better at portfolio, like strategizing. So if I come and I'm a new investor, I'm like, Hey, I have a goal of a thousand dollars a month in passive income. Like, what do you suggest? You know, they can pick and choose between the markets. Like, okay, well this market's a little bit higher cash flow, but this market has this perk, but then there's this market that has this. And then, you know, if you combine, you know, whatever, you know, they can help you, with that whole strategy thing. And every market offers something different, which is another thing I kind of left out. Mm -hmm. But, you know, like in the Northeast, you're going to get an urban row house style and not everyone likes those. Maybe you want a Mm -hmm. single family suburban, especially now with de-densification becoming a trend since COVID. Someone might want a little bit more suburban feel. Someone might only care about cash flow. So that's kind of another perk I left out. I got so excited about the leverage conversation. (laughs) But, you know, they are less, they're they're a little bit biased in that they're only going to probably recommend who they work with, but Mm -hmm. they are less biased in that they don't really care which market you buy in so they can actually help you kind of sift through all of those options and do what makes sense for you because that's gonna be different for everybody okay now this is as you're talking i just have one question in my mind that i need to get answered and that is where do you where do you find (laughs) these people the turnkey promoters not the providers but the turnkey promoters Mm -hmm. most people find them i think on bigger pockets that's where a lot of them are talked about um Mm -hmm. i happen to be one of them the key to know that if you Mm -hmm. are working with a provider a promoter is mm-hmm. if they have multiple markets. There are okay. like REI Nation is a direct provider who operates in I think three different cities right now. You can ask very quickly or you can just tell from their website if they're, you know, if they're offering five different markets, it's probably a promoter. And then, you know, when you talk to them on the phone, they can confirm like, oh, well, if you're interested in that market, I'm going to connect you with that provider versus the provider mm-hmm. who's like, oh, well, I have this property down on 11th street, you know, that's, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. direct. You know, I should actually probably do that. Uh, Google like turnkey <laughs> rental property companies. I have no yeah. idea what would even come up. So it's kind of a, a little hidden thing, but now yeah. our lucky listeners know that they can come to you to find, find this. This is such valuable information. Um, one last thing before we move on, 
can you tell us on a very high level what you're seeing out there right now in terms of returns for a turnkey property? So, um, you know, are you seeing in the 10 to 13% cash on cash range? Like what, what, what do you see out there right now? So cash on cash, I think is the absolute most important number. So if you're going to pursue mm-hmm. a property, that's the number, but all the properties I work with, we talk about them in terms of cap rate only because okay. everyone's financing is different. Who wants mm-hmm. to put how much down and interest rates are changing all the time. So mm-hmm. um, I would say that the 10 to 13 cash on cash should, is totally doable. On the mm-hmm. cap rate side of it, I would say the turnkeys are ranging anywhere from, I'd say on average, you're going to get seven to 8% cap. It can go as low as six and as high as maybe nine or so. So you're still, you know, back in when I started buying them, my first turnkey had a 14% cap rate, which was like, Mm -hmm. I don't remember what the cash Mm -hmm. on cap, but it was like nearing 30% cash on cash. And I was like, okay. And you're not going to get that now. (laughs) But I would say, you know, between six and nine on the cap rate. And that translates anywhere from somewhere five to 15, probably 10 to 13, okay. somewhere in there, but I'd have to run numbers. So like when I send someone a property, it mm-hmm. shows the cap rate. And then if you use a mortgage calculator, you can uh, run the ca- uh, cash on cash based on your own financing situations. Okay. And what, for the people listening who don't know what a cap rate is and why that matters, can you briefly explain that? Yeah. So cap rate's actually really interesting. It's called the, it's the capitalization rate. And the equation is, it's similar to cash on cash, but the cash on cash will take into account your financing. Cap rate does not take into account financing. So you take your net income per month, Mm -hmm. times it by 12. So you get your net income for the year and you are dividing that by the purchase price of the property, Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. is different than the cash on cash because the cash on cash, first of all, the net's going to include your mortgage payment, like your financing payment. And it's only the cash that you have in, not Mm -hmm. the price of the property. So if you pay all cash, the cap rate and the cash on cash are the same. But the cap rate is interesting because it's actually not supposed to be used for residential. It's actually a commercial real estate measurement because commercial real estate, the value of a commercial real estate investment is based on the income of the property. So if Mm -hmm. the income fluctuates on that commercial property, as does the value. The reason it technically doesn't work for residential is because residential values are dictated by the market, period. Mm -hmm. No one could care less what the income is Mm because I hear people in California, they're like, well, but they won't sell me the property for a tenth of the price because that would give me the proper cap rate. And I'm like... (laughs) that's not at all how that works Um, but the market is going to dictate the price of that property and Mm -hmm. the the, but the only reason so you can't use cap rate because it Mm -hmm. it does the two things don't change they it is what it is but the reason that we use cap rate is because it does give you that um like i said if you bring in financing it varies between everybody so Mm -hmm. the only thing you can really kind of use cap rate for is like if I'm looking in Indianapolis and I'm seeing a whole bunch of properties for 7% cap rate, mm-hmm. if I see one at 5%, I can compare that and I know that's low. Or if I see 12%, I'm like, hmm, that's a big old red flag. Cause I know the kind of going rate is somewhere in that 7% rate. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it's really, it's taking the income and comparing it to the, the purchase price or the value of the mm-hmm. property. Again, mm-hmm. you can't, fluctuate that on the residential side, but it, we just use it as a measurement for comparison just to give people a starting point of what they're working with. Whereas commercial, it actually is the like the primary dictator of what that property needs to sell for or is worth because of the mm-hmm. based on the income. I hope I was kind of talking in circles. Yeah. 
That makes perfect sense. All right. Well, I could sit and ask a ton more questions about turnkeys. Um, I think for everyone listening, this is such a great way to uh, get into real estate. Personally, I own a couple of turnkey properties as well. Nice. And um, yeah, and it's uh, it's one of those things that I buy and I kind of set it and forget it, just like you described yep. it. And you With the exception gonna... of be on it if you right. can be on it. <laughs> nope. I, yep. I like, swear I've had so many people that like, I had one horse story because I always check in with people like six months down the road. If you have a problem with your turnkey two years later, call me. And yeah. this one investor, I said, Hey, how's your property going? And he said, well, you know, the cash flow hasn't been what I expected. And I was like, well, what happened? Mm-hmm. And at some point, I don't remember what happened. I think the dishwasher exploded or something. And he mm-hmm. had to replace the flooring for $7,000. And I said, did you pay $7,000 for that? He's like, well, mm-hmm. yeah. And I was like, did you call your insurance company first? Cause that's like the gold mm-hmm. ticket to get new flooring, right? Your dishwasher. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. He goes, Oh, I didn't really mm-hmm. think about that. I'm like, yeah. Oh no. Mm-hmm. Like it's that kind of thing where your property manager is going to take most of the load off of you, but you are still the boss every, you right. know, that you are the boss of a business at this point and mm-hmm. you've got to be willing to do that. So yeah, I mean, set it and forget it is my absolute favorite thing. Just making sure everybody knows you know, be yeah. willing to not forget about it if need be. Yeah. I think that's an important reminder is that, you know, you, you set it and forget it, but you have to stay on top of yeah. you, your job is essentially managing the property manager and yeah. making sure that the numbers are right and all it's of like that good stuff. It's like just keep one eye, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, just one little eye over here to make sure everyone's functioning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's move into the investing for good impact round. We're going to ask you a couple of questions around investing for good. Okay. Um, I love this, this section because it gives us a chance to really dive into you and what investing, um, you know, does for you and what it means for you. Mm -hmm. So uh, the first question is um, investing in yourself. So tell us one way that um, your investments are helping you to uh, live a better life. Easily, it's the passive income. You know, like even just going through like the pandemic and quarantine and stuff, like when any of my other, and of course, you know, this income can be impacted too, but like when any of my active income is in a lull, I still have this extra income showing up in my bank account every month, any weird situations aside, but it's, it's the passivity and, you know, to know there's just one thing I love about owning real property and owning rental properties mm-hmm. is how much control I have over it versus like if I, you know, stocks are super passive, but my stock investment is in someone else's hands. And so to right. know there's a confidence in these where I'm making the passive income. And if for some mm-hmm. reason the passive income starts getting hindered in any way, I have mm-hmm. ability to make changes, which like I said, I'm firing mm-hmm. a property manager right now. So yeah, it's, it's the passive income all day long. Like I would mm-hmm. much rather be on the beach and not, if I'm going to get a second job, it's, going to be in a totally different industry. I want to do something I like. God, I could go on about passive income forever, but yeah, really so that allows, me. you know, the, <laughs> the more passive yeah. um, you your income is, regardless of whether it's the real estate or business or whatever, mm-hmm. you get the ability to start and living lifestyle design. Mm-hmm. Like I, mm-hmm. I'll yeah. admit I sleep in every day and I, I might, mm-hmm. I'm more, I'm sooner, I'm probably going to be working more at midnight than in the morning. So Mm -hmm. it's that freedom, it's the flexibility from passive income, and just the Mm -hmm. knowing that I have the option to control the investments. Mm Yep. Recurring theme for, for every, yeah. every guest that comes on is, is flexibility. That's like the number yep. one word that's used when we ask that question over and over yep. is the freedom and flexibility to live your life how you want and, and when you want. Um, yeah. So, so oh, I love that. And I didn't even know how powerful that was until I started doing it. I was like, totally. 
literally one of my biggest joys is going to bed when my body's tired and waking up when my body wants to wake up. Like that seems really small, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. it changes everything. My energy levels, my, Mm -hmm. you know, just general joy in life, everything. Yeah. So like that flexibility and freedom for me underneath those is happiness. So Mm -hmm. those things give me happiness. And so yeah, rock on to passive income. <laughs> I totally. love it. Yep, yep. Last week, Tuesday, I went for a bike ride in the Marin Headlands and, um, you know, at Tuesday at 10 in the morning. <laughs> I do it all. I otherwise would have been in a cubicle at my office uh, two yep, three years yep. ago, you know, so If yeah. someone says, hey, you want to go to, well, not now, but anyway, you want to go to lunch? Okay. A Tuesday at, you know, 11 a.m. Yep, like yeah. it, and Let's I can, yeah. in the winter when I go skiing and snowboarding, I go like Tuesday through Thursday. I don't want weekend crowds. Right. <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, yeah. So, oh man. Oh, we, we could do a whole episode about how fun we passive can. income is for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Second question. And I love this one. This one is my favorite out of the three and I'm sure you have a ton to share on this, but what is one investment strategy or investment like hack that you might be able to share with the audience? that will help them catapult their investing journey. You know, I think we actually hit on it earlier is Mm -hmm. really take that time to figure out what's in, I call it your natural grain. Like Mm -hmm. if you can find the thing that speaks to your strengths, to your skills, to your interest levels, your, your path to success, you know, like it's that bar graph, right? Like if I'm only so good at something and I try and improve it, you know, it's that strength and your weakness. Mm-hmm. crap we all grew up with like mm-hmm. I'm only going to be able to improve so much but when you start strengthening your strengths the world's at your fingertips and I think that mm-hmm. is the absolute number one key to being as successful as you possibly can is to mm-hmm. find the thing that matches you the best mm-hmm. it's in your natural grain like I said I didn't know mine was gonna be rental properties you kind of yeah. paid me to pick them like okay but it but it it works and so yeah when you're fighting upstream or fighting, you know, climbing uphill the whole time, you're, you're going to get down on yourself. You're going to be frustrated. You're never going to be as successful as you could have been. Like just that's the hack. Take time Mm -hmm. to just, and you, and you don't have to figure it out immediately. If you, Mm -hmm. if you decide something and then it kind of doesn't work, cool, Mm -hmm. adjust, you know, whatever, but really think about that and don't just do whatever wholesale flip, you know, like those things all are great strategies, but they probably Mm -hmm. aren't the right strategy for 95% of the people who are like, I'm going to wholesale now. So, you know, just, just realize that you got to find your thing. And when you find your thing, world's at your fingertips. That's Annie and I, we found our thing two and a half Mm -hmm. years ago and and here we are. So um, completely agree with that. Okay. Last question is investing in the world. So what is one thing uh, or one way that your investments are helping to make the world a better place? This would be a whole another podcast episode. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will I will purposely refrain from going down a rabbit hole in this one. Mm-hmm. So one thing that I really like, we were talking about the flexibility of passive income. And for me, mm-hmm. it's the passive income from my rental properties and for my business. So mm-hmm. I'm not fully based on my rental properties at this point. But that flexibility that we were talking about allows mm-hmm. me to put spend time focusing elsewhere. So Mm -hmm. my absolute biggest passion in life is I volunteer in prisons in California. And Mm -hmm. I don't think I could get more joy out of doing this, but the passive income and the schedule flexibility allow me to go out there. Um, Quite often I go all the way, I do an eight hour round trip road trip just on a Sunday up and back and Monday I'm exhausted, but because I don't have to show up anywhere and I have the passive income to support me, that's okay. Or we do three day weekend workshops. I don't have to take off work on Friday. And so for me, the way that 
real estate allows me to give back to the world is it frees me up time-wise and financially to go pursue those things that aren't going to put money in my pocket. So mm -hmm. it's, a, uh, I mean, that. the prison is my, like, that's my heart and soul. And so mm -hmm. I wouldn't be able to do that all the time if I had a regular job, you know, with, you know, short on money or whatever. So mm -hmm. I think in my goal really is the more passive income I have, the more and more mm -hmm. time I can spend contributing to others, whether it's financially or time-wise or charities or whatever it is and really just helping other people. That's my thing totally. is like, but yeah. if I have to work nine to five and I'm exhausted and I have no money yeah. to, or energy to give to other yeah. people, then that's not really helping much. 100% yeah. agree with that. That's so much of what we talk about all the time, why we do what we do. So uh, mm -hmm. yeah, That's love all of that. That's what we say is that money yeah. doesn't change who you are. It amplifies yep. who you are. And yeah, um, that's exactly Ooh, I got chills. what we're- That's a good one. Like, <laughs> yeah. oh, hey, I hadn't heard that one. <laughs> that's and really that's good. exactly what we try to do on this podcast is help people to find their why and their mm -hmm. version of exactly what you were just talking about, their heart and soul, mm -hmm. um, whatever that might be. And yeah. so, Allie, tell us, well, you've got a book coming out, which is very exciting. We didn't even touch on that. And you've got a free <laughs> ebook for our listeners. So tell our listeners where they can go to get that, to learn more about that and to connect mm -hmm. with you. So I made a link specific for your listeners to, so if you go to hipsterinvestments.com slash investing for good. So I have a turnkey rental properties 101 ebook that's been selling for years for $14.99 and I set it up on that website so you can get it for free. And nice. um, so I have a regular actual paperback book coming out next week, ironically. And so if you go, if you get the ebook, you'll learn about the other book coming in. And it's funny, you were just talking about your why. There's a whole chapter in there about finding your why and talking about, you know, it's never about the money. Like what does the money get you? What, is, you know, all that kind of stuff. So mm -hmm. literally everything we've talked about today is in this book. It's called not your how to guide to real estate investing life lessons for hacking your mind before you hack your wallet. So, um, I would say as soon as you hear this, uh, go get the free ebook so you can get the notifications because there's going to be a big book launch. It's going to be half price, you know, all sorts of excitement. Um, so yeah, I would love to touch base with everyone. And on that site, there's ways to connect with me and everything. Perfect. Well, we'll have links to all of that in the show notes. Allie Boone, founder of Hipster Investments. Thank you so much for being here with us today, Allie. Thanks for having me. It was so fun. You've been listening to Investing for Good, the number one podcast for people like you who are investing to build a legacy for their families, create a meaningful and intentional life by design, and impact the world around them. For more resources, check out goodegginvestments.com slash podcast. And be sure to join the Investing for Good Facebook community. And don't forget to subscribe and give us a five-star review so we can continue to bring you amazing new conversations every week. Until next time, keep investing for good.